0: Had you joined us in The Trenches with Dave Lappin, brought to you by First Star Logistics, because we have a very special guest today, Peter King, NFL insider extraordinaire. He has got knowledge of the entire league and all components. We're talking about owners, general managers, head coaches, players. Peter King has his contacts at every level of the National Football League. And we want to talk to him about what he saw Monday night performance for the Cincinnati Bengals up in Cleveland against the Browns. And how did the Bengals recover and move on to have a successful season? He's got his opinions. Peter King always does. You're going to like it. Thanks for joining us in the trenches with Dave Lappin brought to you by First Star Logistics as always in our outstanding studios. And do we have a guest for you today? The iconic, the legendary one, the one and only Peter King. What's going on, my man?
1: Dave, great to talk (laughs) to you. Uh, Long time, no chat. Hope you're doing well. And you've got a, a fascinating ball club to follow right now. The Cincinnati Bengals.
0: I know. How about it's a, it's a Jekyll and Hyde situation a little bit, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely crazy. Just when you think, ah, when four out of five, things are kind of turning around a little bit and then shoo, falls apart. It, 13 road nationally televised games in the loss column, an NFL record, 13 straight road games, nationally televised. Couldn't get the W. Wow. And, and it's an NFL record. That's, that's unbelievable.
1: I think the, we, I think the weirdest thing is that since they drafted Joe Burrow, they're zero and five against the Browns. It just, Dang. it's weird. It just is really weird. And, you know, look, <clears throat> everybody in that division traditionally is pretty close. The difference I think this year is that while you've got Pittsburgh and Cleveland with unsteady quarterback situations, uh, You've got Baltimore and Cincinnati, which, you know, look, I said at the beginning of the year, game 272, I predict, is going to be, you know, Cincinnati hosting Baltimore on Sunday night of week 18. And, you know, I think that because I think they're both really good teams and, you know, the NFL is going to want a division championship game if it can you know, in that last window of the year. But I, I I just, I like Cincinnati, but you sort of thought they would come back to earth just a little bit. And look, as you know, Dave, it wasn't like they ran the table last year, whatever right. they were, 10 and seven during the season. Um, you know, they got hot at the right time, had a red hot quarterback and a red hot kicker, and the rest was history.
0: You're right, Peter. I mean, last year, after nine games, the Bengals were five and four. Hopefully, after nine games this year, they're five and four, going in the middle, into the bye. Yeah, yeah, going into the bye, and and after uh, in the middle of November last year, the Bengals were seven and six. Yeah, and then you know caught a little fire, and then get into the playoffs, and were caught red hot fire at, at the at the appropriate time. There, there's there's no doubt about it, but boy have three division losses it's like you know
1: yeah that's bad
0: that that that, that's a that's that's hurtful because the tiebreaker situation you got to hope you're going against somebody head-to-head that you've beaten that's the first tiebreaker and then you get to the division stuff And now you got to run the table in the second half of the season and with the other difficult games they've got that's no easy task there's no question
1: well you know I look at their schedule and I mean it's At the beginning of the year, I thought Baltimore and Cincinnati certainly would both make the playoffs. I'm really uncertain about that now. And to be able to beat Baltimore, you know, the Bengals, I think, not only um, are going to have to win that final game of the year, but you're right, they're going to have to be in position to have a better record than the Ravens entering that last weekend. So they got a lot of – they got a tough road, especially – because, you know, when you are at Tennessee and then you've got maybe the best two teams in football, Kansas City and Buffalo on the schedule, even though those both are at home, I mean, that's that is that's really tough. That's why I think last night's game was really significant, and that was a bad loss for them last night. And, uh, you know, we'll see what ends up happening, but they haven't done themselves any favors in the first eight weeks.
0: No, no doubt about it. And uh Jamar Chase, you knew that he was going to be missed. But the thing that the, the trickle down, the ripple effect of no Jamar Chase, not only does he take the top off the defense and you know draw defenders in that way, but it there's a the trickle down to the running game as well. Not that the Bengals had a running game that was yeah. being real productive for them. But they only ran the ball 10 times last night. A franchise low, the fewest ever in any game in franchise history, 10 rushes of the football. Now they were running these, you know, little flat passes to Joe Mixon and check downs, kind of an extension of the running game as such. But I'll tell you what, I took my cap to the Cleveland Browns. They tackled. I mean, they shrunk space and they got people on the ground. Very rarely did any Bengal make that first guy miss. The first guy made the play. Yeah. I think Dave, that one of the things watching (laughs)
1: watching a lot of that game was that, I mean, when you think about it, so many NFL teams are so close right now. uh, And there's no lock, uh, uh, almost no lock, no matter who you're talking about. But I thought the disappointing thing in that game for Cincinnati was, you know, and again i don't necessarily count that first turnover because it was a weird one it was a it was a twice deflected pass right but in a game like that especially when you're without jamar chase you've just really got to be uber conscious that you're never going to you're just simply not going to turn up turn the ball around uh, turn the ball over yeah and i think the other part of that game that when you think about it, the one thing that would really bother me looking back at that game is sort of all the signs of life they gave Cleveland. And by that, I mean, look, you know that Cleveland's going to be able to run the ball well. Bill Parcells used to say, don't necessarily tell me uh, about what a great rushing average you have. He was always really big on how many carries did you get in the game? How much clock were you able to eat because you were able to control the ball? Yep. The most worrisome thing out of that game is look, Nick Chubb's great. You gotta like Nick Chubb, you know, Kareem Hunt's good too. They got a two, very good combo platter and they ran for whatever, 150 between them yep. and they did it without Wyatt Teller too. One right. of the best guards in the league. Yep. I think if I am the Bengals looking back at that game, my biggest issue that I have is the long drives we allowed. The the clock eating drives uh that we allowed. And you know, I looked it up this morning, Dave. They had four drives. The Browns had four drives of eight plays or more. Yep. And they had a seven, they had a two seven-year seven play drives, too. So to me. I think when you're looking back at that game and dissecting it, if you're the Bengals, you say that our biggest issue is that we just couldn't be much more than a speed bump to their running game.
0: Well, you hit it right on the head. Um, <laughs> you're looking at and three of those four drives that you described, Peter of eight plays or more, happened back to back to back, yeah, back in the in the to start the second half. They had two drives. In the third quarter, one 11 play, 75 yard touchdown, one eight play, 60 yard touchdown. And then to start the fourth quarter, the third straight drive, eight plays, 83 yards and a touchdown, 27 plays, 218 yards, 21 touchdowns. And bear in mind, the Bengals had not allowed a touchdown in the second half, the whole season, the wow. whole year. I mean, <laughs> the, you're talking, you know, the third team to do that since 1970. And Cleveland comes out and breaks that and breaks it big time with boom, 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 three monster drives uh, that that basically salted the game away. I agree with you. That first um, turnover, because the Bengals were moving the football, and it was an RPO, and T. Higgins is wide open in the red zone. And Miles Garrett, who wrecked the game with a sack and a half, and then he tips that ball, and then Higgins tries to make a play and tips it, and it's intercepted. Yeah, He's, He's wide open in the red zone. They get in the red zone. If they score first, and you know how it is in the NFL, just one yeah. thing like that can change so much that of the cha- game. That really changed the game. It it's did. Good. It did because they're they're they've gone from they don't care if they win the coin toss or lose it because usually teams will defer when they went The Bengals want the ball. They started saying we want the football. We have to score first because we they were in a stretch of four straight games with teams that pounded the ball on the ground. And like you said, when they play keep away, you're done. So best thing to do is score first and, you know, take a lead, play with the lead. And they were in that mindset. And honestly, when they turned that over and didn't get any points, I think it they let it linger too long. It's like, all right, let's move on. Let's get over it. Let's move on. And it it, it led to another mistake and then another mistake, you know, and it's a, it's a, that's a hard dynamic. They They definitely felt like they wanted to come out and score first and they were tracking to do so. And when it didn't happen, it took the wind out of their sails.
1: Wow. Yeah. You know, the other thing I was gonna say to you, Dave, is, and you know exactly how football is. You know, almost every time I want to draw some huge conclusion to uh, to a team season, you almost always have to say, "Okay, take a breath, take a deep breath," because you know it's a this is a 17 game season and so many weird things can happen in those 17 games and you know i think back over the years that i have covered the nfl and you know dave the first year i ever covered an nfl team was 1984 for the cincinnati inquirer covering right. the bengals yep and what i will never forget about that season Okay. And I don't know how many people who are going to be listening to this will remember, but in that season, the Bengals were really competitive early, but they were losing every game. And then in week five at Pittsburgh, they got walloped by the Steelers in a Monday night game, like 38 to 14 or something. But, and so they were 0 and 5, and it was abandoned ship and it was this is over this, you know this is a... but i learned a huge lesson from that game that season and that coach that and look everybody's going to have far differing opinions about sam white yeah but the thing i will never forget about that season is they go to 0 and 5 and they come back and sam was basically he was like John Belushi in Animal House. Over, it's not over till we say it's over, and and right from there, they beat Houston that week. Yeah. Then they lost a tough one to the Patriots, but then they go on this run from there where they go seven and two the rest of the way. Yeah. And by the end of the year, I remember the Bengals killed Buffalo. Last week of the season killed them, and they walk off the field eight and eight, not going to the playoffs. But I remember after that game, Sam was talking like, and I totally agreed with him. Nobody in the league wants to play us right now, because at the time, you know, you got boomers starting to go. Yep. Uh, you, you know, and 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 anyway, they're kind of coming alive. But anyway, my whole point is. Don't go nuts over one or two losses, especially when you've got Joe Burrow. That's that's the thing I say. You got Joe Burrow, and you're always going to have a chance anytime Joe Burrow lines up.
0: I agree. There's no question. I mean, when you talk around the league and, and to different people at all the different levels that you talk to people, what is the consensus opinion or – are are there uh, common denominator traits about Joe Burrow and his style of play that people talk about?
1: I mean, everybody's envious, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and uh, <clears throat> you know, I remember, and I I've asked Mike about this too, whether uh, you know they actually got that offer of five ones from. Miami, you know, to move up to get Burrow (laughs) and, and Mike's answer to me was, well, it wouldn't have mattered what the offer was. We weren't trading it Mm -hmm. because you see how valuable a quarterback is. But I think the way people around the league look at Burrow is probably the way most people in Cincinnati look at Burrow. And that is, it's afraid of nothing. Um, He's -hmm. got a great arm he's not stupid. He respects the game. uh, And he's a great teammate. Look, you know, for all the bad luck the Bengals have had over the years in the last two decades, let's say, um, you know, this is a phenomenal bit of good fortune that they happen to have the first pick, deservedly so, when Burrow came along. And I know over the years, a lot of people have said, Oh my God, Mike Brown, he's a dinosaur, you know, get rid of the team, please. But you know, Mike Brown in this case was absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Do not trade the pick. It doesn't matter if you get 10 ones Right. because a quarterback, you just, you can't quantify how huge it is to have a quarterback and, and to get that position solidified.
0: No doubt. No question about it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of years left. I mean, it, it, as they say, it's only the beginning, the one thing, um, in in my years, anyway, uh, you know, playing and covering the, the, the league and and even in college, even in high school, I mean, as a player, it's like the one thing that you, the variable you can't control is injury. And one thing you don't want to have. Is an injury to an extremely important player that is going to be for a long period of time. So the Bengals are cruising along, and then Chase goes down with the hip injury. And it's still to be determined how many weeks will it be three? Will it be four? Will it be less? Who knows what it's going to be? But he's down. And then during the course of this football game, wouzier tears his ACL. He's out. So yeah. now you're your, your best receiver, your best cover guy. In back-to-back weeks, go down. And, and that's the variable that, you know, is like, oh, man. You know, I, I know we've got a good roster. We've got, you know, uh, depth in, in, in a lot of places to take care of things like that if you're a Bengal coach thinking out loud. But, boy, you don't want to lose those kind of guys for an extended period of time, and and that is the variable that keep keeps coaches <coughs> up at night, that uh, turns their hair gray or they go bald because they're pulling it out of their head.
1: You know, what you really want with, if if there's any way you can, <clears throat> you want to get uh, Chase back for what I think is probably their biggest three-game stretch of the year left, which is Tennessee, Kansas City, Cleveland, and that's yeah. three weeks from now. So you would hope that especially with – Zach Taylor saying they're not putting him on injured reserve for now. Right. uh, Because they're just not sure about this injury. I, Dave, I sort of look at you. You kind of look for signs. If you're not putting a guy on injured reserve, then you think that there's a really good chance that he is going to be able to make it through in less than four weeks. Yep. So all you can do is hope for that. But... But look i i look back at the super bowl and i say well you know if 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 you're concerned about making it through without having a great player like jamar chase with you look no further than the super bowl the biggest game this team has played in decades and in that game you know, the mail carrier at the receiver position was T. Higgins. So, True. You, and you, and you, but you also understand that part of the reason that Higgins was so big in that game is because the Rams had to focus attention on chase too. Absolutely. So now Absolutely. Yep. that, that kind of goes away. I, I think the way I look at it, Dave, is. I think you've got a very motivated mentally and physically Hayden Hurst at this point of his life at this point of his career and i mean you've got a a game that obviously you know they should win against carolina but you know then they head into the bye i i would if if i were burrow i would be a little i'd be concentrating a little bit more on you know the intermediate throws and you know the 10 and 12 play drives if you can rather than trying to strike it rich downfield. Because without Chase, I think that part of your game really does have to change.
0: Let's talk about the uh, the upcoming opponent. You mentioned the Carolina Panthers. Um, they've made a coaching change. Um, they basically traded their their best football player, McCaffrey, to the San Francisco 49ers. They're obviously saying it, we're we're rebuilding this thing, tearing it down and rebuilding it. Um, DJ Moore, the last game, I mean, DJ Moore makes a makes a play after dropping a ball, makes a play to make up for the touchdown and takes the helmet off. And I personally thought he was off the field, but it was close and um, all those all those kind of things that go with it. And you know, let his emotions get away from penalized because of that yeah. penalty, missed a game-winning extra point. Then in overtime, miss a game-winning field goal from like forty-one yards, I think it was, and then lose that football game. But this team is playing hard. The yeah. Carolina Panthers have been in every game, haven't they, Peter?
1: Here's the thing about Carolina that if if I were the Bengals, I'd be a little concerned about. Mm-hmm. They have this. You can just tell. You can feel it. What's been being said by their players, uh, what the guys, the, the the media people in their locker room are saying. This team badly wants to get this job or a job for Steve Wilkes. I think in the player community, Steve Wilkes is uh, a very significant figure because people think he got jobbed when he only got one year, 2018, with the Arizona Cardinals. Right. And so I think one of the things you see is the players on Carolina. They, you know, so far anyway, they've had two games. They've had the, uh, I mean, they've had three games because that's how many Wilkes has coached, but they lose at the Rams and then they've got, they manhandled the bucks and then they should have beaten the Falcons. So be careful when you've got an internal motivating factor, like they desperately want to win for this coach. So I, this game, the Bengals absolutely should win it and really need to win it. But even though all those things are true, there are just no locks in the NFL. Any team that beats Tom Brady by 18, any team that goes on the road to Atlanta and twice has the game in their hands only to blow it, uh, that's a team that's going to be a tough team to beat.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I mean, short week. At least you're at home. <coughs> it's a son of a gun when you have that short week and you have to travel. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's that's a killer. But at least uh, the the Bengals are at Paycor Stadium and we'll have a little bit of an advantage there. Hopefully, with a a crowd in full throat. Let's talk about the league as a whole a little bit, since I have uh, one of the the, the brightest uh, minds that covers the National Football League. Why do you think that scoring is down do you think it's because nobody's participating in in preseason games and very little training camp reps in the early stage of the season is that or do you think it's something else
1: no i think that one of the biggest things that's happening this year dave is i find this to be a little bit ironic i think you're probably seeing more teams and more defensive snaps than any time in a long time, where teams are playing that too deep look, yep. and they're basically saying, you know, playing two safeties, 18 to 22 yards down the field, they're saying, "Hey, listen, go ahead. We're gonna we're gonna risk that you can't go uh, 75 yards in 13 plays, but we're certainly not going to let you go." 75 yards in six plays. You know, we're going to make you work for it. It was just like the Bengals last night. You see, they're going downfield, they're working, they're, you know, everything is working. And then all of a sudden, tipped pass, batted pass, interception, end of drive, and they don't score anything in the first half. Right. And I think more and more teams say, please, We'll let you, you know, we're going to bend but not break. That's what teams are saying. We're going to give you a bunch of first downs. We don't care about losing the yardage battle. We care about losing the points battle because that's how games are decided in scoring. You know, so I think that is a big part of it. And I think the other thing that is a part of it, I don't know how big, but Dave, you know, usually midway through the second year of a quarterback's life in the modern NFL, where everybody is throwing so much in college that usually by midway through the second year, you're seeing a lot of quarterbacks really starting to get it, starting to play well. But I challenge you right now, these six quarterbacks picked at the top of the 2021 draft Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, uh, Mac Jones, Davis Mills. Those six guys, are you positive that any one of those six is the man or will be the man for their teams? I mean, you have not seen yet any real rock-solid evidence that those Mm -hmm. guys are going to be great. So I also think that's part of it. We just had a weekend where Trevor Lawrence handed a game to the Denver Broncos. We saw a game that Zach Wilson handed a game to the New England Patriots. And, you know, we see Davis Mills struggling mightily. Um, Justin Fields actually is playing well. You know, he, he he I think he's had a couple of good games in a row, more design runs for him, but but in general, You know it used to be that you would just think brian billick used to say you know first round draft pick quarterbacks it's absolutely uh, insane how reliable it is half make it half don't and look we might be 0 for 5 or whatever in the 2021 draft unless those guys turn it around but i think that's also a little bit a part of the the scoring drought
0: Very interesting. We're talking about oh, three hours from the trade deadline is, is when we're having this conversation. There were some big trades, you know, McCaffrey, Smith, at linebacker, that that big trade. Do you anticipate anything else? I mean, it's, it takes two to tango, and the, there's a lot of um, activity. Usually there's a lot of phone calls made, but very few times does it result in a trade. Do you think there's anything else brewing? Well, you know, the
1: Vikings, (laughs) I don't know, the Vikings have traded now for TJ Hawkinson, which is really an interesting trade from a lot of different angles. The biggest of which is the two general managers, Minnesota's uh, Adolfo Quasi Mensa, or Quasi Adolfo Mensa, excuse me, sorry. And uh, Brad Holmes of the Lions, who are friends, they made another big kind of intra-division trade, hmm. um, which is really kind of a big deal, which yeah. I think is, I just think it's really interesting. Um, I would be surprised, honestly, I would be surprised if uh, the Packers don't do anything. Um, but again, we'll know in three hours. Um, I think the one other thing, um, I think the one other thing without any, without any question is that teams are less afraid to trade Dave than they were in the day when you were a player and I was young in this business. Mm
0: -hmm. The trade
1: deadline way back then never really mattered, you know? but it really matters now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to be a lot of activity, but I do think there are a lot of conversations happening right now as we speak.
0: Get you out of here on this, sir. And appreciate all the time you carve for us. Cause I know you are a busy man. How big can the NFL get? I mean, it is a monster. It is, it's a 500 pound gorilla. Uh, it's it's in a good place, and you're a big reason why. I mean, everything you do for the league uh, is is a big factor. How big can it get?
1: Well, you know, a week from now, uh, Dave, I'm going to cover that game in Germany between Tampa Bay and Seattle. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to cover all the stuff around it more than I am to cover that game. Um, when they put when they uh, asked for, you know, if you're interested in tickets, you know, reach out and let us know. We'll tell you about it. They had more than 2 million uh, requests for information about tickets for that game. And, and look, here's the thing, Dave, I, you ask how big could it get? If the NFL is willing to be imaginative about international play and mm-hmm. development, and not just play maybe four or five games in, in different countries every year, but if they would be willing, essentially, if they could get buy-in from the teams in the league and from the owners to say, we wanna have a game every year in Australia. We wanna have a game every year in China. You want to have a game in, in like and one other we want to have a game every year in Brazil. We want the Miami Dolphins to play a game every other year, every three years in Brazil. I know all this is gonna sound crazy, but to me, there if the NFL's goal is to make money and to internationalize this game, they can do that. But it's going to take a lot of buy-in from all of the owners in the league who would essentially say, we are willing, let's say, instead of every eight years, because now every eight years, they've got to give up one home game to play overseas. I think they might have to be willing to say if they really want to make this an international game, to do it every four years. I don't know how many owners, if they could get 32 owners to vote for that, but that to me is the next step on the horizon. If they choose to do that.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. Great information. This, this was as good as I hoped it would be. (laughs) You're the best. Thank you for your
1: time. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling and checking in and let's stay in touch. And hopefully later in the year, when I come in to cover them, we can see each other.
0: Look forward to that, sir uh have have an enjoyable season safe travels everywhere including germany thanks so much thanks peter at first our logistics we're a very strict company that really puts the pressure on our employees <laughs> breaks what are those that's what i'm talking about if get the body right then the mind's right you know, yeah. you, know you gotta get that body right that's so right yes <laughs> Become a star with a chance to earn the highest commission
1: percentages in the industry as a freight broker agent. Check out FirstStarLogistics.com.